Are you ready for something more, better, or different? Have you been looking for more success in your life? Here is your opportunity. Dr. Young's show, Transformation for Success, will help you discover a future for change with possibility thinking, new vision, and creative solutions to impact a more fulfilling lifestyle. Dr. Barbara is an accomplished leader and change guru who is passionate about helping others to gain the triumphs and successes that lie ahead. She brings you up close and personal with interviews from successful experts, corporate leaders, sports figures, entertainment personalities, coaches, thought leaders, and authors who dared to dream, take risks, and gain success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. National and local listeners, welcome. It's Transformational Tuesday, and I have a fantastic guest on the show today, Kat Taylor, as we continue to feature dynamic trailblazer women on the show in honor of Women's Month. We're broadcasting live and syndicated on the Empowerment Business and Influencers channels. Syndicated podcasts such as iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. You can also now access my show on your smart home devices. And listen, keep giving me your feedback via my email, info at transformationforsuccess.com. Keep those emails coming and comments. I love hearing from you. So welcome today, my guest, Kat Taylor, the wife of Tom Steyer, but who is a powerhouse in her own right. She serves as co-founder and co-CEO of Beneficial State Bank that brings beneficial banking to low-income communities in an economically and environmentally sustainable manner. Now, Kat has served on many nonprofit boards. She's a graduate from Harvard College, earned a JD, MBA from Stanford University. She and her activist husband, Tom, are a powerhouse couple known to be founders of head-spinning activities, change-making activities, and talk about a mature woman who's still highly productive and making a contribution, she and her husband, to the world at large. So greetings, Kat. It's such an awesome pleasure to have you on the show today. I know you and Tom have been on the go, and it's been an arduous schedule, so I want to thank you for taking time to be on the show with me today. Now well, the campaign tra- now that the campaign train is trail is over, we've got a lot to talk about. Share with yeah. me how would you de- describe this experience for you and Tom? Yeah, well, thank you first for this amazing opportunity. I'm so uh honored to be on the show. Um one minor correction is in order to work full time on the campaign, I did leave my post of eight years as CEO of Beneficial State Bank but I'm still chairperson of the board and work very closely mm-hmm. with the interim CEO. Um, okay, great, so, great. I, yeah, I, yeah. I should have known that. <laughs> you had no, to give no, it up right. in order to go up. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But um, <clears throat> it's been a whirlwind. On the other hand, it's part of a continuum because Tom and I have been working in social justice and environmental well-being for decades, and we intend to keep working. So I want everybody to know even though the campaign is suspended, the cause is not. 
And I understand that. And, you know, I really admire you as a couple. One of the things that I, I want the audience to know, the listeners to know, and I was absolutely fascinated. How did you and Tom start out this partnership? Because you've been married uh, quite a while. You're both. He's only 62. I mean, you guys are really young. And so how did you know that, number one, that you would make, make this decision to marry this man and you guys would enter into such a wonderful partnership? Well, thank you for characterizing it that way. I have been married to him for 33 and a half years. And when we took our marriage vows, we actually made a second commitment to each other to use everything in our power during our lifetime to try to make the world a better place in coalition with the countless other activists and advocates trying to get that done. So we have taken the giving pledge as well, which is that more famous commitment to give half your resources during your lifetime to good causes. But ours is complete. We we just synced up on that um, from the beginning of our relationship, that that's how we find purpose in life. Um, I think that's I, notable, notable because not, you know, not every couple who have money share those kinds of values. And I just want to publicly applaud you and your husband, Tom, for all the work that you have done with in the environment and helping low-income communities. I mean, you've done so much. And I just wanted to sort of, you know, find out, did, you know, how this all began because it's just such an yeah. admirable story that you two blended so well together. 33 years is quite a time, and you've raised four children. I think it's wonderful. So thank you so much for sharing that, really. Oh, thank so, you. Well, about this presidential campaign process, did both of you agree that this was something that uh, you you wanted him to do? Because it involved both of you. So you definitely had to come in agreement that this was something you wanted to do. Yes, absolutely. I was supportive of it from the get-go, as were our four children. Uh, two of our four children actually quit their jobs to go full-time on the campaign, as I did, too. The other two are in graduate school, so I begged them, please don't get out of graduate school. But they were <laughs> as helpful as they could be, too. Um, and, you know, I think this the complementary styles between Tom and myself are that he is a very single-minded activist. He's an organizer by nature. Uh, he He and I are keenly focused on all of us securing racial equity, economic fairness, and climate justice as rapidly as possible. I heartily believe in Dr. King's um, admonishment that uh, what's good for anybody is good for everybody. The beloved community is fully inclusive. So we need to get all Americans on board that this is the path that's good for everyone. The campaign was just the latest manifestation of that commitment to do everything we could to attain the beloved community. Uh, and mm -hmm. it, it is it was the, what Tom could do at, at the time, and it allowed him to insert into the campaign conversation race, climate, reparations, the things that nobody was talking about that are front and center essential to our way forward. Um, and we're just taking that cause on the road further um, throughout the rest of the campaign and beyond. I think that's wonderful. Was there was there anything uh, from your perspective uh, about the presidential campaign process that, uh, I don't want to use the word shocked you, but that really kind of, let's put it this way, enlightened you uh, in a way that might not have yeah. been as positive? Yeah. Well, I think um, the level of orthodoxy is troublesome 
mm-hmm. we need to put new we need to put new and different people in charge all over the landscape, including in the highest office in the land. You know, Tom, as yeah. a white male, is not yet that new and different person, but he had made a commitment that his running mate would be a person of color and possibly female or non-gender conforming, that his um, uh, that his cabinet would be filled with people from all walks of life uh, that represent black and brown communities, that um, throughout society, that's a commitment of ours. We don't get diversity unless you choose diversity. Um, and I think the orthodoxy in the party structure and the, um, the way that the election is run uh, is a block to those kinds of outcomes that we need to think deeply about uh, and reform as soon as possible. The other thing is I think the media has just a massive influence over the electoral process, and we need to yes. make sure that it's unbiased um, and uh, inclusive and doesn't just run to the, you know, the most jazzy headlines or the the usual suspects. Was there uh, one any one particular thing about this campaign that really stood out and it opened your eyes to? Because you, you cited a number of things that we need to make changes in this country, a lot of them. And if we start at 1.1, 0.2, 0.3, 0.4, what was the one thing that you would say that really should significantly change immediately if you had that so, power to do so? Sure. I fully supported Tom's position on reparations and a commission on race. We have not told the history of our country honestly or accurately, not the horrific parts of it, like the enslavement of Africans, Jim Crow, mass incarceration, native genocide and the expropriation of their lands, persecution of immigrants and refugees, less than personhood for for women and non-gender conforming people, uh, or the de- degradation of our ecological commons. That's the parade of horribles, and I don't mean to dwell on that, but we have not told that history um, to everybody in America so they can understand what needs to be repaired. Similarly, we haven't told the story of the tremendous contribution of African Americans to the building of our country and to providing the moral leadership for our nation for at least 401 years, literally generations and centuries of moral leadership. When we get the narrative right, we'll get the policy right, and we'll come to reparations you know, in our time. We're not mm-hmm. pledging to study reparations. We need to enact reparations. They are long overdue. Justice delayed is justice denied. And I think that will give this, put this country back on uh, both its moral arc and its sense of purpose in the world. We need a reason to get up and walk this planet every day, and justice, equality, and freedom for all is a a spectacular purpose to grab onto. I agree. And uh, if I can say this, you know, oftentimes this subject, reparations and uh, commission, as we start to talk about uh, on race and some of the narratives that need to be addressed, what do you think needs to happen where we can bring this to the forefront to get the dialogue, to get the narrative started. Because I see many people backing off when you start to talk about reparations and uh, race relations and to bring the history and get the stories told. How do we get the media, how do we get people to actually really start to move in this direction? There seems to be a lack of energy as it relates to this. Yeah. 
Well, so I think um, the more we can cast it as something that's good for everybody, I mean, it's really economic desperation is expensive for everybody. It generates homelessness, uh, yes. turmoil. You know, it's it's morally bankrupt. It's you know, it's not good for anybody. So changing the narrative to say that reparations and restitution, repairing our nation, is good for everybody, and getting more of that story out there. Plus, I think we have in our um, favor the rising demographics, the millennials, the Gen Zers, uh, who are a much more diverse cohort. They're the biggest demographic to come through uh, America. And they are um, are much more attuned to the need for in- inclusion, equity, and diversity. So it could be that they lead the charge on this much the way they did on marriage rights, um, on other um, now what we take for granted as individual liberties, um, you know, every decade we get better on that, but we have a long way to go. So I'm yes. banking also on our youth. I, I, I concur. And one of the things I noticed, and I, again, I want to applaud you because you have a lot of millennials on your team, and I had an opportunity to meet some of them um, mm-hmm. on Sunday, and I was thoroughly impressed with uh, how you have been able to bring a lot of millennials onto your staff and the team, and they were so excited, still excited. So to keep that excitement going and continuing the narrative with the millennials, I think is really definitely going to be one of our answers. We're going to really probably see the test of that in this presidential election, where the millennials will stand. Um, yeah, we are lucky, lucky in the company we keep, and we are defined by the company we keep. And we need yes. a massive voter turnout this election to retake the White House, flip the Senate, and achieve all the down ballot race outcomes that we need. And it's the youth and the black vote that's and the brown vote that's going to lead that charge. Yes, it is, and uh, I, I'm cheering. I'm cheering everybody today is the biggest primary for several states and big in California. So this is Tuesday on Election Tuesday primary for California and other states. And I sent a message out this morning: people get up and get out and vote. I have already done it, so you go. So I, so I, <laughs> I sent a big message out this morning, and I'm doing a Facebook yeah. live after we get done, and the message is going again. Um, one of the things uh, I wanted to ask you from uh, the the campaign and your experiences, there's always, I feel, some wow moments. So what were some of your wow moments, Kat, uh, in this campaign? Sure. Well, so I don't want this to uh, feel trite to anybody because it was absolutely true that when mm-hmm. you get to speak to American people all over this country, they have extraordinary insights based on their lived experience of what is not going right and how it could be fixed. Uh, 340 million heads, it turned out, are better than one. And if we crowdsource our, our way forward, our solution set, I think we'd be um, amazingly surprised at how rich the opportunities are. Um, the other thing that's a little bit bittersweet for me is we did participate in the anniversary events in Selma on Sunday, the 55th anniversary of Bloody Sunday. We marched oh, across wow. the Edmund Pettus Bridge. We went to many church services and other gatherings. I mean, it is a crucible moment in civil rights history that 55 years ago that happened. 
um, we were very painfully aware that the circumstances under which we marched across that bridge were diabolically different when those brave um, foot soldiers led right. the way and were beaten up uh, and and threatened for their stance. Um, well, Kat, a, we're going to take a Kat, we're going to take a quick, quick, quick break. Uh, commercial break, and we're going to be right back, because I want to hear a little bit more about that adventure in Selma. So, listeners, okay. stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right. My guest today, Miss Cat Taylor. Thank you for listening. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. We hear just be you a lot these days, but who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show. Hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're on Alexa Smart Speakers and Connected Devices. Hey, Alexa, play... Being Here Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Try it now. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Okay, we're back, Kat. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry about that. A little long-winded. Um, no, that's okay. Um, tell me, uh, uh, how did you guys happen to, um, you know, make up your minds that you wanted to go to Selma and have that experience? Because I was listening to you on the, uh, they were, I guess they were, uh, uh, what is it, 
bringing you in live from Selma, and you sounded so excited. So yes, yeah, it was excitement generated there. <laughs> absolutely, it was absolutely the place that we needed and wanted to be, whether Tom mm-hmm. was still in the campaign or not. We have to show up for these signature moments along the civil rights road. Similarly, Tom went to the um, 50th anniversary uh, um, of the assassination of Martin Luther King. We both went and took 60 young people to the launching of the first memorial to the victims of lynching in Montgomery. We were in Selma on Sunday to mark that uh, momentous day in history and to signal that we are not stopping. We will not stop doing everything we can to achieve racial equity, economic fairness, and climate justice until the day we die. Um, And it's important to signal that and also participate in the gathering in Selma. What I was going to say, the bittersweet part of it is we have not made the progress on the civil rights agenda that we should have in those 55 years. And it was a little dispiriting to see that on Sunday, like 99% of the crowd there was African-American. There was very little white participation in it. I don't know how to put it any other way. So, um, America, we got to get on board. Well, you know, I appreciate your saying that, too, uh, of, you know, that we really need to rev up our game and start doing some work to really bring unity in this country. And uh, I really, again, want to thank you and Tom. One of the things that I know, um, what he had said, and I, I honestly, I love and admire him for this, so tell him I said this, because he had made uh, a statement that, if he didn't see a path to winning, that he'd suspend his campaign. And obviously yes. he said he couldn't see a path where he could win as president. But the thing he can, and what I admire him, is that you guys are continuing to make a difference in the world. And maybe it mm-hmm. wasn't a path to win in the campaign, but there's a way that God will allow another path for winning in this country that will be much more important and much more dramatic all concerned. So I yeah. just want to say I thank him for that. Um, you know, it's just a marvelous thing that both of you have done. And uh, I kept watching all the ad- advertisements and saying, yay, 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 Tom Steyer. You know, and I think a lot of people didn't know who who you guys were. But boy, yes. you now have uh, a lot of attention from a lot of people around the world. You really are change makers. And I want to admire you for that. I, I just have some more questions. I mean, I am so excited about having you. I want to get more of of how the impact uh, on a wife, because you're a wife, you're a mother, and I know there are things that, you know, you can't probably say, but what would you say to women whose husbands may decide to run for a mayor? What would you say, uh, advice or a word of wisdom to them, Kat? From your um, sure. With this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just to connect it to, thank you very much for that um, gratitude to Tom to stepping out when he couldn't see that pathway. And that comes from having a North Star. Our North Star is racial equity, economic fairness, climate justice. I can't say it <laughs> enough times. If you keep that North Star in view, then you can um, sort of ch- shape change to be the person you need to be in the moment. So. Uh, I, as a campaign wife, 
I was much more constrained than in my normal life where we have used every lever available to us. We have used philanthropic grant-making, the creation of social enterprises and business as a source of good, political uh, activities, organizing and grassroots activism, all of those things we have tried to use to further the agenda. When we stepped into the campaign, for instance, it was very hard to keep doing the philanthropic work without it seeming self-serving on the campaign. So I'm actually, I do believe that what has happened is God shut a door and he opened a window. And we are climbing through it with a groundswell of support. Um, Ironically, I think Tom is more famous now for making his suspension of campaign speech that went viral um, than he could possibly get on the campaign where not being a celebrity or a sitting senator, it's harder to get attention. So I would say to partners of uh, candidates, find your North Star, hold on to it, keep it, and don't despair if the election or the campaign is over because you're just meant to do the next thing. I think that's wonderful advice, and thank you so much. You know, you're quite distinctive from the average uh, wife cat. (laughs) (laughs) I am. I have have to give you that uh, because truly you are a true testament of of a woman who is excited, who's on the move, who gets things done, and knows how to prioritize your time and do it. So I I really want to say I admire you, and I really mean that sincerely. Um, One of the things, uh, too, what I don't know if I asked this question or not, but what was your big takeaway? Or I should say, what's next for you guys? Yeah, sure. And sorry, I was just chuckling when you said you're not a typical candidate's wife because, you know, I have tattoos, which is not typical. But it was for me, not only do I love body <laughs> art, but I want to I want to signal to the external world that I'm I'm not accepting the orthodoxy. I'm not accepting the status quo. We need to change a lot of things. And so that's my sort of visual cue. But anyway, what's next for me is I will be in service of that agenda for the rest of my life. And we'll just find the best way we can contribute. Uh, Similarly, when Tom was still running, people would ask me, like, if you were first lady, what would you do? I'm so focused on this moment in history right now. We are just trying to advance that agenda any way we can, I will be in service of it no matter what role I have in society to get that done. And you guys have. Now, I know, are you going to go back into your role of being the the CEO of of the bank? No. You know, it was an amazing experience, uh, and I'm still deeply invested and involved by being the board chair. So I'm uh, intimately supportive and uh, uh, engaged with the bank. But I'm not stepping back into the CEO role because I want to do justice to the succession that we accomplished by that. Our interim CEO is a fantastic person who deserves, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a clear runway. Um, and I think the, it's another case where I can do even more and better work on the board to support the bank uh, and let the bank leadership and management um, you know, take the bank forward. So I I will uh, stay also involved in Tomcat Ranch Educational Foundation, which is our regenerative agriculture ranch, de-risking regenerative practices. So I'll be very involved with that. And I sit on a number of nonprofit boards and we'll go back um, likely to catalytic um, uh, philanthropy. Plus I'm a partner in Radical Impact Partners, which is a venture fund that we um established to try to change the venture funding system for good alongside changing the banking system for good. 
I think that's wonderful. I mean, so you've already have it, you know, planned out as to what you're going to do. And I, yeah. I think that's excellent, you know, because I think one of the things is to always, we were talking about have goals and strategies and how are you going to meet those goals. It's 2020, yeah. so I said this is a year of new vision, new ideas, new goals. I, I know you've had quite a, an arduous journey and probably, you know, well, but I don't know, what are you going to do for some downtime now? Are you going to kind of rest in between, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because you've yeah. been going, going. Um, yeah. Are you? If I were a more enlightened, if I were a more enlightened, evolved person, I would take downtime because I think there is always a moment for self-reflection. But the best I'm going to probably accomplish is reviewing and renewing my commitment to the six steps of nonviolent activism uh, that Martin Luther King, uh, you know, pursued so perfectly, uh, and just kind of get my head into that space and figure out how we can have a quiet, not I mean, a nonviolent rebellion uh, to anything in this country that needs to change. Well, I think we're going to be hearing a lot more uh, from you and Tom in in the future. And I just want to thank you so much for taking time to be on the show today and just to share a little bit from your heart and what it means to be this dynamic woman who is a partner with and also a skillful, talented man such as Tom Steyer. Um I just want to thank you for all the work because truly you are a trailblazer and an example for many women. Um, you know, one of the things I noticed, you have a JD and you did the MBA from Stanford. And I was like, this woman is so smart. What do you, what do you want to give out as a cheerleading message for women uh, millennials out there who you have worked with and who may want a word of encouragement from Kat Taylor? <laughs> Before we close. Do you mind if I, do you mind if I sing it? I want you to sing it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here we go. They say that okay. these are not the best of times, but they're the only times I'll ever know. And I believe there is a time for meditation in cathedrals of our own. So when I see that sad surrender in my brother's eyes, I can stand aside and only sympathize. For we are always what our situation hands us. It's either sadness or euphoria. So take what you got and make something beautiful of it. That is wonderful. It's all right. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> my, my millennials out there, take heart. Kat Taylor is speaking to you. So what are you going to recommend? I want two things, Kat, as we close the show, that you are recommending to our millennials out there. So first of all, take hold of business as a force for good. If we don't make business work in the public interest, we won't clean up after it with all the government and philanthropic resources in the world. And please see where you might run for office. There are so many important elected bodies that govern our society, and they aren't populated enough by new and different people. So take charge. All right. So use business as a force for good and find opportunities where you can run for office and take charge. That is the word from Kat Taylor today. So millennials out there, listen up because she has given a word. And so, Kat, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. This has been a delight. We'll have to have you back again so that you can sing for us. 
And and keep sharing your message uh, because we really need to keep it front and center of all the challenges that we're facing. And so I want to wish you and Tom all the blessings that God can give both of you. And thank you for being such a fabulous and dynamic couple. So listeners, again, share with your friends that you can download Transformation for Success shows on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, and now on your smart home devices. So be sure to tune in to Transformation for Success with my story today involving Kat and Tom Steyer, because they both are partners. So thank you again, listeners, and I'll see you next week. And as my pastor says, I see you in the future, and it looks much better than it does right now. So goodbye Mm -hmm. until next week. This is Dr. Barbara Young signing off. Thank you. The second half of my show, Transformation for Success, is my guest, Miss Sierra Foster, trained model, actress, athlete, and activist. Sierra is a devoted advocate of women's rights and human rights, ethnic, gender diversity, and more recently, Sierra worked in the 2020 political circuit as a public speaker and committee organizer on the board for the Tom Steyer campaign and with Kat Taylor for the 2020 presidential Democratic candidate. Sierra is here today to share some of her experiences with Kat Taylor and Tom Steyer. Greetings, Sierra. Hi, Dr. Young. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to have you. We had earlier on the show Kat Taylor, and she, as you know, was absolutely dynamic and very transparent about the campaign. Unfortunately, you know, as we all know by now, Tom conceded uh, his campaign on the Saturday. Uh, I've forgotten the date, but uh, it was last Saturday, a week ago, last Saturday. And so, but they are a terrific dynamic power couple. So I wanted to hear from you, young woman, (laughs) what did you learn from your experience with Kat and Tom Strayer while you were on the campaign trail? Well, first and foremost, it's a pleasure to be on the program, especially uh, not only with yourself, but particularly with Kat. She's an extraordinary extraordinary woman in her own right and philanthropist. And it's just been an absolute pleasure to work with both her and the rest of the Tom Steyer committee on this uh, on this endeavor for the campaign. And uh, it's been a wonderful experience. One of my biggest takeaways, uh, not even on a political level, but on a personal and a human level, I just mm-hmm. learned the potential of the human spirit and just how to show up by looking at the example that Kat and Tom have set with just the way they've chosen and I emphasize the word chosen to live their lives through their philanthropy and just their daily work. Um, so that was the biggest takeaway, seeing someone that has amassed independently that much wealth and then has put it back into communities that need it and then still championing for, for those same communities when they don't have to. That, to me, it gave me a, a mentality of continuous service. What uh, actually motivated you to join their campaign? Did someone introduce you to them, or how did you become involved with um, the Sires? Oh, I have to first give the credit to 
to Tom because I became a supporter from his uh, commercials. I really took note. I saw that he was really trying to reach the people. He seemed really genuine. And then I started researching him and I really liked what I saw. I was very impressed with all the things that he had done with opening him and Kat in the Next Generation Foundation uh, a bank and putting money back into the community. I had never seen anyone, but certainly a politician do that. Uh, the fact that he did not have a typical um, political background. He came from a business background. He's a self-made um, billionaire through the hedge fund uh, system. And the fact that he took on corporations like Big Tobacco and held them accountable and closed tax loopholes, all these things, I just thought, you know, this is someone I can really get behind. And I was at a a, I was with a friend of mine, Gigi, who's a director from Italy, and uh, we were with a couple of producer friends, one of them being Elizabeth Bell. And as we began to speak, she told me that she had just joined the campaign, and I was so adamant she invited me to jump on a call. And from then, the rest was history. I connected with Laura O'Connor, uh, Lena Kennedy, who was greatly respected. Uh, she helped run the Obama campaign, and just amazing women. And uh, that was it really took effect within 24 hours. I went from being a supporter to a committee <laughs> organizer and to, you know, uh, an event organizer and then to directly on the board and to a public speaker. Um, just being passionate, I suppose, about Tom's message. I suppose I also attracted that energy to me because he resonated with me so much. I do remember prior to even meeting Elizabeth thinking, okay, now what can I do? And the next day wow. I was as well. Yeah. And, and as a, you know, and I'll just share to the listeners, you are a millennial, and uh, yeah. that, is, I mean, it's so noteworthy. Um, what what was it like working with the team? What what was their team like? Because, you know, when you come aboard like that, mm. and uh, you're sort of an unknown, you're not coming with a political background, and you weren't right. recommended by representative so-and-so. <laughs> so, right. so what was it like, you know, joining the team and getting involved? I found the team to be extremely inclusive. Laura O'Connor, who is um, a producer, but very deeply rooted in political activism and very close friends with Kat Tyler. I, she was pretty much our, our lead, but she was very collaborative. Elizabeth Bell was also very collaborative. We were, I mean, it was nonstop emails and correspondences, and there was always um, a sense of camaraderie because we believed in the same thing, and um, there was no egos involved, and I found it to be... Uh, a beautiful chaos, as, as I found out that's what <laughs> politics and production is. But, uh, you know, when you have such a great team and you really believe in your cause, that's the key. And so for me, I, I thought it was a wonderful experience. I learned so much and I found everyone to be extraordinarily efficient and collaborative. And I think that's because we had excellent communication. Nothing is perfect. And of course, there was a lot of learning curves, but everybody came to the came with the same attitude that Tom gave with his campaign as far as how he appeared in front of Americans and that's in terms of service, what can I do? So everybody put their talents together and if someone didn't know how to do something, they were, they were adamant about finding out how to do it or somebody else would immediately step out and say, step up and say, I can do that. And then we just kept um, operating that way. It was really quite beautiful, especially because it was predominantly women. Uh, we were just one. I, I just want to point out, I, I was very fortunate, along with my brother, Nick Foster, a.k.a. Machine Digital, I was really fortunate to be at the roundtable discussions following 
uh, the campaign after the super, uh, excuse me, on Monday following the day that Tom said he would concede. And so I have been able to work closely with that team. But overall, I have to give credit to the many groups and committees that were throughout the country in these last six months working together collaboratively um, to really get our message out. As as um, you, you were able to travel across the country, um, what was one of your most, um, in your opinion, outstanding experiences on the campaign trail? So because of the time in which I came in and I was operating in this hubcap here in Los Angeles, so for the campaign, I've done a lot of traveling, but for the campaign in particular, I was predominantly focused on millennials, and I did particular outreach in downtown L.A., and then I worked with other groups and events and helped them produce their events. Um, that said, I will say, observing uh, Tom and Kat, I was particularly impressed with the outreach. I'm still very proud of the outreach that was done in North Carolina, although we did not end up winning uh, those uh Delegates, I do feel like even the 12% we got, even coming in third, considering that we came into this race with, or Tom came into this race in within just six months ago, and nobody knew he was. Uh, I was really proud of the impact that was that was that was made, and I was extraordinarily impressed when both Cat and Tom chose to walk just last Sunday on Bloody Sunday in Selma. A day after conceding, I thought that that showed a lot of integrity. And to me, I think that continues to speak volumes to the American people. And um, we're not going anywhere. We still have these issues and um, these initiatives, and we're going to continue working on them collectively. And so are the sires, and, and so is Tom Sire and Kat Taylor. I, and I think that's notable. Um, you know, and actually, what did you – the other question I have, too, what did you learn – from uh, some of the millennials that you were outreaching to, what are they, what were they looking for? Or what are they looking for from your, you know, your perspective? Uh, well, I spoke to you about this uh, before. I think that millennials are in a very inter interesting position because we are the generation that still remembers the time before there was war, before the, you know, when you still had to plug in your internet before, you know, you just had readily access and, and so much data coming at you from cell phones and the internet. So we are really in a position to be able to bridge the gap as far as uh, being progressive, but also having the ideals and um, and knowledge of how things used to be and how I remember how everyone galvanized after September 11th. That's the America that I believe in instead of one now, which is incredibly decisive. Um, Unfortunately, if you've grown up with the internet and you were born in the early 2000s, that's all you know. So I think that millennials, we have a level enough head in this paradigm to be able to really get in the conversation. I find that millennials simply don't know how. Um, and I think that really just takes more people like myself getting out there and modeling, making initiatives. And I have to take my hats off to Generation Z because we actually are working with a lot of 20-year-olds in the foundation. We had a wonderful representative. I believe she was from San Francisco. Her name was Katie, and she was at the roundtable discussion with Kat Taylor, and uh, they really made sure everybody was represented, especially the minorities communities. But um, at the table, this young woman was there, and she was 20 years old, and she started this whole foundation that bridges nonprofits with 
other foundations and resources so they can carry out whatever initiatives they need. You mean you have the other um, Generation Z students who they, you know, came up with Orange Day and the March for Our Lives. So I think that we could really work together with uh, Generation Z because millennials, you know, now, whether people like to accept it or not, millennials have families. They're in their, you know, late 20s to early 30s, and they, you know, we're facing a lot of the issues that we probably thought we would never face, you know? And so I think that we need to get in the conversation because this is our country, and whether you're 19 or your 60s or you're fabulous and you're in your 80s, we all have to work together to find a system that really works for everybody. One of the things um, I was intrigued with, but before I get there, we need to take a quick break. We're going to be right back. So listeners, stay tuned. We're going to be right back with my guest today, Miss Sierra Foster. Stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. We hear just be you a lot these days. But who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show. Hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're on Alexa Smart Speakers and Connected Devices. Hey, Alexa, play... Being Here Podcasts on Apple Podcasts. Try it now. (laughs) Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. 
You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hello, and welcome back to Transformation for Success with my guest today. On the second half of the show, Miss Sierra Foster, who's a trained model, actress, athlete, and activist. She's been a devoted advocate of women's rights and human rights. And more recently, as we shared earlier, for those of you who might be just tuning in, she worked as a public speaker and committee organizer on the board for the Tom Steyer campaign for the 2020 presidential Democratic candidate. So as we were in discussion before we went on break, one -hmm. of the things that has concerned, well, I don't want to use that word because it's almost like a pun if I say this, but I've been intrigued with what did you find that were one or two major concerns that millennials shared with the Steyer campaign? I would say hands down across the board is climate change. I think that we're at Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that it became very, uh, it became very apparent to me that across the board, that is the number one issue concerning people. And to me, that was, uh, it was very informative, but it was also very refreshing because it is literally a threat to humanity, our survival mm-hmm. and our planet. Mm-hmm. And to see mm-hmm. that people, including my generation, really take that seriously and are looking for ways to come together collectively and combat that issue. Uh, that was by far what was the front runner when we were having discussions, when I would walk into the office to get more supplies at one of our North Hollywood locations and I'd hear the phone banking questions or when I would be out talking to people or when we do Q&A at public talks. Um, it was something that we always tried to focus on it would always come up at some point and I think that it should continue to come up and be relevant in conversation because it's a threat to our survival and we can't even talk about anything in terms of governing if we don't exist. So uh, to me You know, I, I have to admit I'm surprised because I thought there might be um student loans or student debt uh as a result of student loans. Um health care issues because you hear a lot of this being touted about with other candidates that I will not name. And so that's why I was intrigued to find out. And so I was kind of surprised that climate change would be the number one. And not that it's not a factor, but you do hear a lot of millennials talk about, you know, you well, maybe you hear this in the news about student debt or student loans, uh, careers, career opportunities, what kind of jobs uh, are we going to get? Because a lot of the millennials spend a lot of money on education, and then right. uh, they graduate, and they are not—they're in low-paying jobs, um, lower-paying jobs. I would say that don't equate to my having a master's degree, and I'm starting out. So that's why I was Absolutely. really intrigued, intrigued with that. Did any of that come up? Or well, I mean, because I know climate change might have been number one. Were there other concerns that they spoke about? So here's one of the, the things that I wish that I, um, that we had been able to be in the race a little longer with the chips bill where they may. And I'm sure, actually, I've heard at town halls on Sirius XM, I've heard Tom address these issues in particular. Now, for myself, speaking as a, as a millennial, um, again, it was really unfortunate that we weren't able to go further with that conversation because most mm-hmm. of the public platforms did shift towards climate change and going into Super Tuesday, that was just an overall focusing concern because it's one of the issues that one would have to pretty much have a plan for 
to win across the aisle, whether it be in the, the, the primary or in, uh, the national vote. So that's why it became such an emphasis for everyone as far as uh, electability, because it's a question that every candidate in 2020 now has to acknowledge exists and roll out their plan. And everybody wants to hear that plan from each candidate and compare it. So uh, we definitely, my coming on board initially was to speak to the the millennials moving forward past Super Tuesday, but obviously things changed, so we didn't get to go further in depth in that conversation. Now, right. myself, my part of my background is when I was in college, after I was an NCAA athlete, I became a paid intern and representative for the California Teachers Association, the CTA, and I fought for student tenure and for student rights and lower tuition costs. And part of that was even uh, comparing what one has to invest and how much debt you occur and how you it equates when you try to get out and survive and make a living, which also ties into Tom's proposals for a, a common livable wage, even if it's a, a minimum wage, because that way people can pay off their loans and still survive. Right now, the nationwide average for minimum wage is $7. And as Thomas said many times, you can't live off that. So these are definitely concerns to millennials and I think that to that point that's why so many millennials especially in minority communities haven't got involved because they do have families now they are swimming in debt they can't get jobs and they feel like they're part of the system that's not working and um, these are definitely conversations in association with the Tom Sire campaign but also independently as a speaker and as an activist and now political activist that I want to continue to have so that they're just as important with climate change because I haven't heard that as far as a main running point since the Obama administration. Um, and I think that that's pivotal. But I do want to say there's been a lot of reform in education by individual institutions, one being USC when they rolled out just uh, last month, their new initiative that if you come from a household that makes under $50,000 a year, your admission is free. So things are changing and millennials are taking note and we're going to continue to push that, that issue. And uh, one of the things that they talked about in the, the board meeting post uh Saturday when we had when the conceded announcement came from from Tom is um how do we balance the playing field as far as just improving overall education in this country um and also what does that look like in terms of financial literacy in schools what does that look in terms of political literacy some people right. may have uh these very issues that you're speaking of and don't they don't know how to reach out and approach them you know how to change that's true how to bring up the conversation at a level that's going to impact policy and change things. So those are all things that millennials are definitely concerned on. And I want to continue this conversation throughout this election year at a wider level so that when we do get to the big, big vote, this is going to be part of the conversation and people are going to have to answer this question for the, for the future generation. We're going to continue. Are these some of the platforms are, Excuse, I didn't make, excuse me for interrupting, but are, are these some of the platforms that you want to continue to work on? Absolutely. I, I feel like I feel an obligation as a millennial and, and having mm -hmm. a bit of a platform to work on it. But I also feel like it's a conversation that needs to be had. And I'm a big proponent of education. And I think that our education system here is flawed. I've been all over the world and we do not have the strongest one, but it's not for lack of ability. And I think that it's a misallocation of funds. And I think that it's also... Um, you know, we have certain regulations where certain areas get more funding than other areas, and um, we just simply have to do better because people in 
are not as educated in our country as as, as they can be, and uh, we need to continue to move forward as a, a pivotal part of not just our society, but a part of history, and that starts with education. We have got to do better. Well, I have a final question for you. Was there any one thing that the campaign really opened your eyes to? Because you've said a lot of things, but was there one thing in particular that the campaign really opened your eyes to? Uh, I would say it just keeps coming into my mind. Um, I was told last Saturday that I was going to speak. This was before we got the announcement, and I wasn't expecting to speak, but I'm always prepared to speak and willing and happy to speak especially as anything that is related to time and the, the campaign and these initiatives. Mm-hmm. And it just really comes to me of just being in service and how you're going to show up. And there was a time when I was living out of the country working and I thought, oh, maybe I'll just stay here. And I was literally attempting <laughs> to make preparations to do so. But I decided that I you know, I had to come back and do what I'm doing now. I didn't know how it was going to happen. And now I have one of the best platforms and I'm flattered and very fortunate and grateful to be talking to you and your audience about this and so many others. But I really just realized that I, as Gandhi said, have to be the change. So, well, um, that was the change is going to happen. Be it. I like that, that line. Takeaway. The change is going to happen. Be it. Yeah. Well, truly, Sierra, you are the exceptional model today. You're an actress, and I didn't mention that you're a triple threat because you're an athlete. You played uh, basketball. Actually, you spent 11 years in competitive basketball and six years as a team captain. So that says a lot about you, young lady. And also you had 15 years in uh, 15 years of experience in marital martial arts, and so you hold a third degree black belt in karate. So, listeners, you better not fool with this lady. So, she definitely is what I call the model, the actress, the athlete, the triple threat. And we are certainly looking for more, uh, not surprises, but more outstanding achievements of you, young lady. And I want to thank you so much for being candid today sharing your opinions and what it was like to be with Kat and Tom Sayer. They are some exceptional people to be sure. And after today, talking with Kat and then now you, it has certainly been a pleasure. I hope my listeners out there, you have gained some information for a presidential candidate that maybe many of you did not or were not aware of, but definitely you'll hear more from Kat and Tom Stayer. One of the things I want to leave you with today, the Steyer, I want to make sure I'm pronouncing it correct, Tom Steyer. The ordinary think inside of the box. The extraordinary think outside of the box. But genius thinks inside, outside, below, and above the box. So listeners, be thinking. And I ask all of you, have a great day week and a very blessed day thank you it's super tuesday and sierra thank you so very much for being on the show today so listeners have a great week and i'll see you next week transformation for success with dr barbara young we appreciate you joining us for transformation for success 
Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, that's 12 noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Or join us for replays of the show weekly on the Voice America Business Channel and the Voice America Influencers Channel. Until our next show, have an outstanding week.